Hello everybody, welcome back. This is episode 15 and yeah, it's a good one. A real good one actually. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, Lauren Israel came on the show for this episode. He is a music industry veteran. He's been at this the past 30 years or so. He was an A&R rep for Capitol Records and has basically had a career producing and managing bands he's worked with coldplay less than jake jimmy world the plain white tees neon trees the unlikely candidates just to name a few and it was a really insightful educational episode lauren spoke about his thoughts on the industry the past the future what it takes to get involved with it what bands need to be looking to do and how their song should sound and just how they should approach performing and writing music essentially and just the mindset that needs to be applied to music to see some form of success really i'd like to thank lauren for coming on it was a really cool chat with him i had a great time doing this episode yeah and i hope everybody enjoys listening and everyone's staying positive still having a good time enjoying the days and yeah safe how have you been how's your lockdown been um obviously everyone's life has changed a lot but how has yours changed specifically in the last 12 months or so if you're asking me that like honestly i have to answer you honestly i've been working i've been doing what i've been doing remotely for so long that Mm. um in terms of music in terms of production and working with my bands it's only gotten better it's only gotten more intense i have more clients i have more artists working um uh it's funny i don't have i've all i've gone on one meeting in gosh a year one meeting and you wow, know in the really? music business we go on many yeah. meetings but um but in terms of what i do uh, remote production and virtual production it's been fantastic you know yeah i could imagine um because there's been a lot more time for people to write and i guess people can't tour or play shows so writing's been the only thing they can really do so i guess i guess and i guess you've felt the the benefit of that yourself with the area you're specifically involved in yes yes a lot of my bands i have one band mm. that was lucky enough to uh, to have a number one song in uh, 2020 uh, around frankly around march um it was called novocaine by the unlikely candidates yeah and they were going to go on a lot of touring but uh that fell through so that's kind of a bummer for all of us involved in the project but other than that you know uh yeah man i've been busy as shit good to hear, man well i'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk to me today and getting up early and everything really do appreciate it Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. So I'd like to get started. What is your story, essentially? How did you end up from your early days to where you are now? Where did, where did you begin? How did you get involved with this? I mean, you know, as a kid, I was, um, I grew up with a lot of other kids in the neighborhood. And we, we were bored and some of us, you know, were delinquents. Other of us were normal kids and... Um, we were skateboarding and then we were surfing and then we found music and, um, you know, I didn't recognize back then that it's kind of a disease. You know, if you, if you do music and you're, some of us have that weird compulsion to be doing it on a regular daily gnarly basis. So, um, I started playing music and 
you know, my band started playing in backyards and um, then uh, that grew to playing in clubs. And um, then we, you know, started getting really good in the clubs. And um, then I started, my band started opening up for Bad Religion and the Sugar Cubes and Soul Asylum and Drama Rama and a whole bunch of other, I went on tour. We got a record deal, publishing deal. And then um, I, that imploded and then i went back to school um i put myself through school had a few jobs i was working at the surf shop down the block and i was bartending at an after hours roller disco and teaching surfing at night i mean literally dude just anything living by the skin of my chinny chin chin <laughs> yeah, yeah. one day this guy when i was out and about um, said, Hey, have you seen any good bands? And I said, yeah, man, so-and-so and so-and-so. And then those bands got super huge. And then this guy wouldn't leave me alone. He just would, would literally call me and, and reach out to me. And I said, yo dude, like, what do you do every day? Like, what, what is it that you do? And he said, well, I do A&R and I wake up, go in the office at about 11. I listen to music. Um, at the time you had to write when someone sends you a demo tape, you had to write them back. You know, I, I write, um, I write people back and I call them back and I take meetings and I listen to music and I take meetings and I write people back and I take meetings and I, then I leave at about seven and then I go and see about four or five bands and I do it the next day. I'm like, yo dude, that's the job that I want. That doesn't even sound like a job. That sounds like a good time. <laughs> Not a job. And anyone who tells you it is, is lying. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so basically I, I bothered him for about a year, Okay, really a year to be an intern. I begged and pleaded to have him make me an intern. Um, I was lucky enough to become an intern. And then from an intern, I was there at Capitol records for about 15 years in various capacities and, um, had some success and, um, but what, what I was doing all throughout that time was I was producing emerging talent and getting them record deals. Okay. And that's what I do best. And that's where I am now. Yeah. When did you kind of learn that's what you do best? Because you, you, were you kind of in the right place at the right time, would you say? And it obviously took some initiative to get involved with the internship and at Capital Records. And when, when did you figure like this specific direction that you found yourself like most productive in within that business? You know, that's a really good question, dude. Um, when I first got my internship, I said, okay, I'm going to take this very seriously. And I thought that being an A&R person is being the conduit between A, the artist or the voice, and R, the repertoire or the song. And I felt as though my job is to nurture that, make sure that that is, is seamless and tight and make sure you give your, your company something that that company can do. So the first thing I did was I said, I need to go into the studio and start learning how to produce. So there's this one girl, her name is Pippi Bernstein. And I saw her at a club called the Cobalt Cafe and I loved her. I said, listen, Pippi, if you allow me to produce your record or your songs or whatever, um, if you don't like it, 
I'll burn the tapes. But if you do like it, we'll put it out on my little um, vinyl record label at the time. And at the time, I didn't have a vinyl record label. I just needed to go in the studio and learn. So basically, we produced uh, four or five songs. We put it out on yellow vinyl on my little record company called Lifelong Life Records. She got a publishing deal. She got a manager. She got a record deal. And literally, dude, I did that my entire career. That's all I did. So I thought that by learning the process, that that would be best for me. But as an adult and as someone who's gone through the music business, that's not how you grow in a corporate culture. Yeah, okay. It's more about your alliances. It's not really how much talent you have. It's who you are aligned with. And I mean, listen, dude, I'm a dumb guy from, you know, a surf shop here in the Valley. So I didn't know. So those are the skills I possessed. Those are the skills I love. I still love it today. I mean, I wake up so excited every morning because my my clients are going to send me something that could truly move me. Um, I feel the same way I did when I was 17. So, but that's essentially how I started. And that's essentially why I started. And, um, you know, that's where I'm at. I mean, having, if I had to do it over again, I would have probably learned my corporate skills, but I think I'd still fuck that up because I'm not really good at that. Yeah. Do you think you broke the mold a little bit? Cause sometimes it can be a case of, it's not, it's not like what you know, it's who you know. But do you think you were the guy that people knew that you gave people that stepping stone who maybe wouldn't have got it if you hadn't have been involved in their process? Well, I can tell you very honestly, that is 100% true. Mm. And most people, I mean, I've done it. I mean, most people can say they have been involved as a producer, a manager, a record label owner, production company, etc., for a band that had a number one song once maybe twice, maybe three times. But for me, it's been over five. So I can tell you that I'm very proud of that. And I'm very proud of my artists. But I can tell you it's a lonely road. Because if you really think about it, the bands don't really want to tell you or to mention that they had a, you know, a mentor early on when they couldn't play their instrument and, or they didn't have any songs or they didn't have any direction or they didn't have anything. It's not really sexy. So those bands that actually recognize me, that's great. But you know, there, it's still a very lonely process and I do it only for the love of the win and the love of the songs. If, does that make it, does that answer your question? Yeah, of course, man. I get what you're saying. It's like you said, it's that thing you feel you need to do that, that almost disease you spoke of that you can't shake off. Dude, I wish I could do anything else. Believe me. I wish I could be talented in anything else, but this is what I'm, this is what I do and I love doing it. Yeah. You speak about the success you've had working with bands and artists. What, why do you think you've had success? What, what did you do differently at the time? I have to be honest with you. My, my approach is, yeah. is in intellectual. It's thinking. And it's very clear that the music business is very mysterious for the majority of people. But it shouldn't be. I take the mystery out of it. My evangelical 
zeal is to show everyone being successful in music is exactly like being successful as a plumber, as an electrician, as a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, um, a landscaper. And I'll tell you this, if you're a landscaper, you, you have a job as a landscaper, how are you going to become a great landscaper? You do it by apprenticing with somebody who's better than you. Yeah. Yeah. And you do it over, you copy what that person has done over and over and over again. And then you kind of find your own art. You find your own place in it. And if you're a dentist, you learn how to do dentistry by watching other dentists. The same is true with electrician. You have to watch. So what I inspire in people is learn how to treat the music business like any other business. Learn from the greats, even if you don't like the greats. Even if you like the shittiest indie music or the shittiest music around. The six, you can learn from those who are successful. What makes them successful? And what I do is I, I tell them, okay, here's what makes them successful. Boom. Learn it. Do it. Copy it then you can kind of find your own way in it. But most artists, 99% of artists think that they can do this haphazardly. They can do it by this whimsical idea that they're going to be kind of on the radio or they're going to have 10 million Spotify streams or they're going to be huge on TikTok. It really doesn't happen that way if you want to repeat your success. And those artists who don't repeat their success don't even understand why they got there. You call it a recipe. You can call it anything you want. I don't want to disparage or make it sound like it's it's anything but smart. But but like anything else, there yeah. are patterns. Yeah. And if you do not recognize the patterns, you will never be hugely successful. You may get lucky. And a broken clock is right twice a day. It's still fucking broken. Yeah, fucking is, man. Yeah, for real. It's um because you talk about patterns and repeating success. How has consumerism of music changed over time from subgenres to mainstream? And what changes have you noticed, and how do you apply that in the present day compared to in the past? Well, uh, there are certain subtle changes um, yeah. that really need to be discussed because they're so subtle most people don't don't quite understand them and there are shifts in, uh with um the style and the character and the and the kind of music that's that's successful at the moment right now we're seeing a really big um pop and urban kind of vibe um you know five or six years ago it was different and then in five or six years it'll be different so but the real truth is since the 50s, or even a little bit before that, our brains, in terms of popular, mainstream, big music, songs on the radio, songs on, on television, songs in the movies, have been programmed into our brain, you see, because there are certain 
characteristics of all those songs. So deviating from that is kind of against science. So while there are certain like subtle changes, like frankly, songs are getting a little shorter, you know, maybe by 20, 30 seconds. But I think popular music has been ingrained in our brains for so long that it's a pattern, that it's, it's actually in our DNA. And if we fight that, then we make our jobs harder. What, what characteristics then is our DNA attached to or do we feel a magnet to that, that you've seen people be absorbed by? That's a very, very good question. Uh, one is the groove. Mm. No matter if you have a, like a, whatever genre you're in, it's gotta have a groove. I like to say that, um, that if James Brown never stops the party, you should never stop the party. So whether you're nodding your head, whether you're shaking your ass, whether you're fist bumping, whatever you're doing, you're never stopping the party in terms of the groove. So every song has to have a great groove. And the better the groove, the better the song. Two, the vocal needs to have a certain characteristic that fits within, you know, it's what I like to call it's got, you've got to have a Spotify voice or a TikTok voice or a radio voice, whatever, whatever, it's got to feel like it fits. The third thing is structure. All these songs have a certain structure, period. We can get into many other characteristics, but those are the main characteristics. Groove, voice, and structure. So what does it take these days to kind of break through and to connect with people compared to a year like 2003? Put out a lot of music. Just yeah, put probably. out music. Put out music. That's all you need to do. Put out music and reach out to people. Reach out to people like you. Reach out to people like me. You could, people can email me. I can tell them to go fuck themselves, but they can email me. I'll get it. I will read their email. Um, reach out to people, reach out to your favorite bands, let them know you're around, start locally. But the beautiful thing is you can control it. Yeah. You can put out music. You can put out music for free. Is it, do you think it's become a bit more, because it's so competitive now and anybody can have a go, do you think that competitive market and like timeline to grow, has that made, does stuff get swept under the rug easy? Does stuff get cluttered up? Is, is the good stuff less likely to get noticed? Is it, is it all too busy for stuff to really shine? Okay, that's a good point. Well, for those of us who are in the music business, yes, it's very cluttered. But if you've got some real fans, if you're really doing some shit that's cool, yeah. it's, gonna, it's gonna raise its hand. And the more you do it, I'm, I keep telling my artists the more you do it. And let me say this, the music business is not full of Stanford grads, of Oxford graduates, of Yale graduates. All these artists, frankly, are high school dropouts. The competition isn't that fierce. Let's be totally freaking honest. Yeah. It's full of degenerates. So if you can just be smart, you can get a leg up. I'm trying to be honest here. Yeah, man. 
smart. Yeah. It's um when you were signing bands, especially back in the day, like twenty years ago or so, why do you think they trusted you and is was it always was it nice and did, was it a pressurized environment that almost the responsibility of their success was put on your shoulders and do you feel that now in a way? Oh, I mean I you know the answer to your question is when I was uh, at Capitol, um, yeah. it was it was brutal. It was a brutal, brutal environment. I, I loved it. I mean I was lucky as shit. But it was a very brutal environment, you know, uh, and so within my I have many businesses, right? I have many things I do. And one of the things I do is like I did with the uh, the unlikely candidates is um, they're signed to my my company. So I have a responsibility of making them a number one band. So the answer to your question is a huge responsibility to those artists that I work with. Is it overwhelming? No. Is it challenging? Yes. Frankly, I love, I love, I love the fight. I know that's a, a sickness. I love the climb. Yeah. Getting to the top, being at the top is not as fun as, as climbing to the top for me. That's a sickness. I don't know if that's healthy for anybody. Is it, is it that idea of constantly moving, constantly being challenged and having to work and work? It's almost like the end goal because obviously the band's going to get there, but then you can keep going. Do you think that's why you've kind of stayed where you are and what you do in that constant push? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's um, I I love seriously, dude. As hard as it is to fail, I kind of enjoy failure because I know what not to do the next time. It's fucked. It's really fucked up because it cost me money. It cost me time. It cost me a lot of things, but failure I've learned for me is something to embrace rather than something to fear. Um, I'm not saying that's healthy for anybody, but the constant curiosity of how I can do things better. It's fucked up. Yeah, man, it's fucked up. When, when was that a philosophy you kind of turned on its head and decided to have a tunnel vision with that in life and as seeing like the negative and getting hit in the kneecap a bit and flip it on its head and seeing it as a life lesson and to take all the positivity you can out of it? You really want to know? You really want to say? After about nine months of psychotherapy, okay. about actually before I met my wife, about 15 years ago. Okay. I was, I was brutal. I mean, I was brutalized. I was, I didn't know up from down. Yeah. Maybe too, longer than that. A long time ago. And I went through intense, like, I mean, God, I'm being very vulnerable here. Intense therapy. I, find, I found out that this is what I meant for and I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And just see, take, take that and carry it forward. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Instead of, instead of thinking that because I'm not part of a club, I'm not part of a group, I'm not part of a whatever, you know, I'm kind of an outsider. Yeah. I've always been kind of an outsider, kind of a, a maverick, a renegade, an outlaw, a schmuck, an asshole, whatever it is. Yeah, man intense therapy you talk about being an outsider and not being involved with a clique as per se is that something you've always 
you've, you can spot that in others as well. And has that made it easier to work with some bands, maybe like yeah. Jimmy World or Plain White Tees, a band like that? And you, you can see through people in that way. Neon, you know, even Tyler from, from you know, Neon Trees was like that. Tom Higginson, Jim and, it's Jim and Zach from Jimmy World. I mean, the guys in Ozo Motley, uh, Chris from Lesson Jake, they, these guys are all misfits, man. You know, like just not just they have a drive. They have a singular focus. I mean, I get on the phone with Tom Higginson just yesterday and we're talking about music the same way we did. Oh, my God. How long ago when we were? I mean, like, what's cool? What are you listening to? Like. Fucking brilliant, man. Yeah. And it's just talking on a level like that, but. I think that surely would have made it so much easier to create in the past and to when you just connect as if it's just a conversation over a few beers or something. Uh, are you saying, are you insinuating that in the past it would be much more um, easy to create as opposed to now with so many encumbrances? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You're right. Yes, you're yeah. right. But whereas that part is... <sighs> yeah yeah you're, you're right you have to really push away all the stuff and the obstacles in order to get to it you're fucking right man do you think that affects the art that's created these days 100 percent yeah 100 percent 100 percent and those artists that are really doing some moving emotional things off have to push off all the obstacles to get to the core and you can feel it in the music right you can yeah. feel it in the music and those artists who are overwhelmed by whatever they're overwhelmed with you can feel it's it's not as vulnerable it's not as it doesn't move you as much you are motherfucking right 100 correct how have you managed to keep up and adapt with these changes then? Because obviously it can be frustrating to work with, but how have you managed to overcome and, allo- and move the obstacle yourself when, as the years have gone by and managed to you know, be, be, be involved with the constant change in environment? Constant curiosity. Okay. I, have a, I maintain a curiosity of all things new that I can understand. So I'm constantly trying to be curious and to push myself into areas that I'm uncomfortable with to see if that curiosity lends itself to any kind of inspiration. 100%. Was that difficult to do at first? Because it can always be hard to step out of your comfort zone. When did you become comfortable doing that? Has it got easier over time or has that always been your approach? Always. I've always been curious. Is it advice you give to bands as well to, to step out of their comfort zone? And how do, how do you bring this out of people? Much more difficult for a band to step out of their own comfort zone. And it takes a lot of um, tender, loving care to help an artist step out of their comfort zone. That's, it's much more difficult for me to help my bands do it than for me to do it. Yeah. How, how's it always been working... Because obviously you can't control these people in, as, as literally. Has it, has it been frustrating at times and also very rewarding when you can give like open new doors to people mentally like this? But has it been very hard to get the message across sometimes? And is that why some people may have fallen down? It's funny. The reason I do this isn't necessarily for the money. 
it's probably because I really need to be needed. And by virtue of that, I feel as though there are bigger lessons than just music. So, um, so that's what I, that's my, my thing. It's like, I want to, I have this evangelical, um, determination to help people sort of make sense of what their dreams are. If your dream is to become a, a florist, do it. Yeah. Fucking do it. Yeah. And just do it over and over and over again. You're a fucking florist. Yeah. So I think that what I'm trying to help my artists be is to take responsibility for their own dreams and ambitions yeah. and, and use that template in whatever they do. And to maybe reach out to other people after they've gone through some of my um, crazy uh, stuff and maybe help others. Yeah, man. It's um, because what what advice would you give to bands now that you didn't give back then? What what have you learned along the way as to to give your whole rounded package of advice compared to when you compared to twenty years ago? Don't give up. Put out music. The more music you put out, the better you become. The the more doors you open, the longer you do it, you'll get there. <laughs> I'm telling you, you'd be surprised. You'll yeah. you'll find some success yeah 99% of bands give up way too early way too early way too easily how how do you think people would find that drive to carry on then and how have you found the drive to carry on in your position oh i'm addicted to it I, i'm a sicko you know if you're not a sicko for it you probably will give up and you know do something else you know if you're going to do it at the level that we're talking about you've got to be a sicko just a sick fuck <laughs> yeah okay how have how have you noticed the industry change then in terms of i know it's a very broad question but in terms of consumerism money being spent by fans and just in terms of bands getting signed because obviously there's more labels than before more content being put out and how is you know fans consuming music and putting their money in a band or producer's pocket how has that changed well um well these things in terms of the music business yeah. um moves more rapidly than we may think okay so record labels are making money hand over fist um by streaming right so the streaming has risen and the labels have made a lot of money but more specifically at least right now this could change in a month six months um artists bands singers song whatever are being signed by having their song be on tiktok yeah that's fucking crazy man what the fuck is it? it's it's now now hear me out yeah let's say you're a band a singer and you've got like 60 million tiktok kind of vibes and then that translates to you know the dsps and other other modalities so you're going to get signed because you have 10 million Spotify um, uh, streams or 20 million and you're blowing up on TikTok. So that's it's changed in that the label will will focus in on that one particular song. 
And now I think we have a lot of artists that no one really wants to talk about that have no clue as to what they are artists artistically because they were signed off of one huge, I mean, ginormous song that blew up on TikTok. Yeah, man, but surely that makes music disposable and like almost like a capitalistic approach in a way now because do you think bland art is being rewarded and, 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 and all these people will disappear, surely? Let's be totally honest. Go on. When has it ever not been about bland, lame artists? In terms of some of what the labels do, right? Like those of us who are developing artists and developing careers and, and sincere artists, it's just going to take longer. Yeah. But if, if you, does that make any sense? Like you're right. You're totally right. But I would argue that it's always been like that. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting, man. Do you think it's more so now though, or have you just seen it on the front line? Um, it's, uh, well, because we live in a pop urban kind of world right now and, um, uh, rock alternative, alternative pop is not as big. Um, it's perhaps a little bit more magnified, um, because, yeah, you know, that's what it is. Yeah. I see that, man. Yeah. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. It's kind of a, a, you know, a product of the environment in a way because of just the sound that's connecting with people for some reason. It's that's e- right. easier to make that sound appear in that way. Bingo. It's, um, so you talk about when bands get on TikTok and they kind of blow up and a label spots this. How, what, what do you look for in a band where you think, yeah, these guys are going to blow up? Because, you know, obviously it happened to the Plain White Tees and quite a lot of other bands from the get-go. How, what, what do you need to see to think that and what evidence can be there for you to say, these guys, I need to invest my time in because I see them skyrocketing to success? Um, a voice, an understanding of what a chorus is and uh, what we like to call in martial arts, um, indomitable spirit. But where, where do people learn this? Where do you think this comes from? Like, how, how would people have obtained this in the first place? Very, very good point. I think, I think bands, artists learn the most important one, which is indomitable spirit, with their parents in school. I think, um, I think if, you are, if you have excelled at the highest level at something, yeah. Whether it be lacrosse, football, soccer, baseball, if you've really put your time in to something and gained that highest status, you understand what it takes. And a lot of artists, especially nowadays that I've seen, do not have the indomitable spirit necessary to be successful. Frankly, they are, for lack of a better word, pansies. That's that's a big one, man. You've gotta you've gotta be able to withstand some brutality if you want to be great at something. And what I really ask a lot of a lot of bands is, so have you done anything great? Have you ever 
done? Have you ever gotten straight A's? Have you, you know, anything that requires pain, motherfucker, pain. That's it. Get through the pain. Get through the pain. Is it almost the way then, like anyone who's ever going to make, you know, a good record, of, uh, an honest artistic expression has suffered in some way? 100%. Yeah. What, and by the way, you've got to learn how to edit, man. Like, like most of these bands don't even want to edit. They don't even want to discuss or think about making something better, let alone doing it prolifically. Don't get me started, brother. Mate, I would like to, man. I would like to hear what you think, what frustrates you about seeing these people not want to make changes like this and be so set in their ways that isn't getting them anywhere. And why, why do you think people are like this? Why do you think people say, like, no, this is how it is, this is how I like it, and I'm not changing, and they just, they just shut their ears off to everybody's advice? Uh, they've had parents tell them how great they are, and I, don't, I, I, I just think they don't really want to be successful. I think they say they want it, but they don't really want it. People like me, people like you, you're what, I don't know what fucking time it is in, in the UK. It's probably late. You probably, you probably have 17 jobs and you're doing this and I don't know how long you've been doing it, but you do it better and better and better. And you sit on the, on the Zoom with me for fucking 45 minutes and we're talking about something and you're gonna have to edit it. You're gonna have to pull it up. You're gonna have, I get it. You have to go through a lot of pain in order to find people that are like-minded. Why do we think it's any different writing a fucking song? Yes, man. Yes. You're fucking correct. So true. Think about it. Look at, okay, you're going to have to talk to me. And by the way, before you talk to me, you said, oh shit, I got to talk to this guy. It's the 17th guy I've talked to this week, uh, right? And then you do it and then you get into it and then you end it. But then after it's ended, you've got to edit it. You've got to pull it up. You've got to, you know, you've got so much stuff to do. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got to do it again and again and again and again and yeah. get better at it. It's the same fucking thing with music. But artists don't write enough songs. Yeah. They don't write enough songs. They don't edit better, right? They don't. Don't look for better questions to ask of someone like me. All that sort of stuff. They don't do it. What? Why don't they do it then? What do you think makes? What do you think needs to happen to turn the light bulb on in their head and not be so, you know, nothing. absorbed? I just nothing. Nothing's going to change. If someone, I've been down this road for so long. If you, if artists are not going to be prolific if they're not going to be enthusiastic about and curious about being better, if they're not going to actually put in the time and have the indomitable spirit, they will never, ever, ever be successful at anything they do unless their parents give them a job. And that's what's happening. Yes, These, it's, yeah. it's, sorry, I'm just trying to be honest. You fucking know it, man. You speak, the, you got the real talk right here. This is good stuff. You can't be successful if you don't get through pain. You have to go through pain. I have to go through pain. The more we embrace it, the better. It's not that hard. So to answer your question very, very directly, the artists you're speaking about are never going to be successful. It's as brutal as that, man, isn't it? It is. 
It is indeed. Because it's like people might people might go through a storm, but then they've got to become that storm as well. They've got to carry it around and put it into what they do. Bingo, dude. Bingo. And they have to say there's going to be another storm. I don't know. My wife and I watch watch this uh, television program called Vikings, right? Yeah. And like and like they're constantly trying to find other places to go and they they know they're going to die. They know they're going to whatever. And they just do it because yeah. they're curious. <laughs> I'm like, wow, man. It's like, they know one, they know if they get through one storm, there's another storm coming. And the more they know about the storm they just got through, the easier it's going to be for the next storm, but it's still going to be a fucking storm. Do you think though, on the other hand, you, it takes a very specific profile and some talent all combined together. It's all these factors. Dude, yeah. talent is so overrated. I'm telling you, dude, talent yeah. is fucking overrated. Talent is so overrated, it makes me sick. Really? Explain, explain more. Go on. I have, I have worked with some of the most talented people you have ever met. Yeah. And... And, and and the majority of them are pussies. They they are stubborn. They are passive aggressive. The most important quality you must have is perseverance, that indomitable spirit, and that grit. What do you think about places like a music school, for example, or when people do music at university, stuff like that? What's your opinion on stuff like that? Because I did, I did music production at university for like two years and I thought it was a load of bollocks, man. Like everything I know about that, I learned outside of it. And I thought being in that classroom was a fucking waste of time and it doesn't teach you anything about what to do. What, what's your opinion on stuff like yeah, this? You know, um, that's a very good question. When I was coming up in the music business, it was far more of an outlaw business, right? Much, many more entrepreneurs, um, much less corporate. And so there weren't there weren't these relatively prestigious universities doing yep. music business. I mean, to me, it's, you know, if I look at it with, without my brain, I would say, man, that's just a load of, like you said, bollocks because like, man, just do it. If you want to do A&R, just do A&R. If you want to do journalism, do journalism. If you want to do marketing, fucking do marketing. So, I want to say that lately the labels hire these kids. They pay them a really small amount of money. Yeah. They've proven themselves that they won't quit, you know, after a few years because they've gone through four years of school at USC, which is probably USC is a school over here. Yeah. Um, $40,000 a year oh, man. to get, a music business degree. I, I mean, fuck. I know it's probably hard to watch for you, man. It's probably hard to see these people do this. Well, what's but what is happening is these kids are becoming the next, the assistants, right? And then from assistants, they stay there for a few years, five years, six years, seven years, and then they become. Yeah, because surely they then have the keys to put to promote stuff like we were talking about this bland bullshit that's happening. 
They have the keys, and they some of that's probably paid promotion, like fuck as well. <laughs> Not <what> I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, but you have a good point. Like, I, that's I think where it's coming from. Like these. I mean, you listen, I went to school, right? And I got a degree, but it was not in music. I, I, my, I would have shot myself if I got a degree in music. That's like, like I feel the same way. However, however, these kids are getting jobs. They're fucking getting jobs, dude. Yeah. 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 That's the difference, man. And was that, yeah, like you say, and do you think that's, part of not the route but it's definitely a branch of where things have you know deteriorated in a way i think i think you have a good point there i think that's the reason why it's you have a good point i never thought of it like that but i think there's something to that yeah yeah man how does it change then how does it change where do you see things going and how do you see things evolving because you spoke about you know patterns and cycles where do you see it going in the next five years and how how do you prepare yourself for something for a change that you don't know that's going to happen yet you can only see the early signs of um i always um listen to emerging talent right i look i look to the soundcloud charts i look at what's happening on spotify I'm, I'm trying to see how TikTok is influencing. I try to find other, other kind of, I'm always curious on developing music, you know, always asking, always figuring it out, always listening. I don't know where it goes in five years. I honestly do not. I think, I think though, you've got to look at the artists that are, Okay, to be really specific, in our area, there are these um, these um, DJs or these um, these playlists of of hip curators, and sometimes you get an idea of what they're playing, but you've got to really find the right curator. So. I don't know. I really don't know where it's going. I can tell you guitars are still not going to be in music that much in the next year or two that I can tell you. Um, other than that, I have no idea. I still think we're going to have this, this, this hybrid of, 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 of urban beats of, 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 of multicultural stuff that I think is really fucking bitching. Um, but I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. It's, you know, I like to ask people, I'm sure you'll have the most detailed answer I've ever heard, but, um, what, what's, what's always been your biggest problem with the industry? And I want to hit it at an angle of something that has never changed or ever got solved. That has been there from the day you entered to the day you will leave. The music business has never gotten it right. Think about this, dude. Think about, Think about, think about festivals. Yeah. Okay. Festivals had to be put on by outside promoters. Why couldn't Sony Music do their own festival? Full of their roster. They got, gather up all the big artists on their label and they do a festival. They never got it right with, with, um, with uh, Apple Music. 
Why couldn't, why couldn't the labels build their own Spotify? Mm. The music business is always late because they're fat and happy and they're all protecting their own jobs. Let me tell you something. All my friends now, they're all presidents of labels. And they've been in the trenches longer than me. And I've been in the trenches for 30 fucking years. So if you get a job as a president, you want to make sure you're, you're releasing the hits and all that. But you do not want to fuck shit up because you're just going to be out. That's what's wrong with the music business. The music business does not have the Ahmed Erdogan's anymore. They don't have the David Geffen's. They don't have the Jimmy Iovine's. They have, they just have status quo people. And that's, that's okay. But that's the reason why people are getting the jump on them. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Because you think you think people have it. It's almost like a level of fear, man. It's like they're scared if something goes wrong, but that's how they get left behind. Of course, you don't get to be president of a record company, um, and then you know say that you want to do a an Atlantic Records festival, and and because you're going to get laughed at, you're going to get ridiculed. I mean, or hey, you know. We're selling CDs, but I think the streaming thing is going to be big. Let's build our own streaming service. Why didn't the labels build their own streaming service? Yeah, that's so true, man, because like, yeah, it's been going for like a decade or so now, and it's only gotten bigger and will get bigger, but everyone was like, yeah, we'll keep pressing CDs and charging more money. And Dude, I was there when all this was happening. The yeah. transition. Yeah. I was there, bro, <laughs> and they were... They couldn't figure it out. Dude, you have no... Don't get me started. But they're late. They're always late to the game. I think now, I hope that it's going to get better. That I hope that now that there's blockchain, now that we have certain technologies that could be incorporated, maybe some of these companies will be a little bit more approachable to new ideas but who knows but what needs to happen for the change is it little bits little bits of seasoning here and there is it one big main ingredient where someone needs to say stop this flip it on its head what what does need to be the prominent factor it's usually a big move and and disruption is better and there are these people these these people that call themselves disruptors but they're really not yeah ballsy motherfucker to be a real disruptor and and in my world disruptors just get they just get sloughed away no one wants to deal with them no one it's 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 a very inclusive club very inclusive you don't, I'm, I'm sorry very exclusive club yeah business is very exclusive they don't they don't want they don't want people fucking their their gravy train up yeah, man, ruining their little picket fence. They don't want that falling down. Yep. Yeah, because it's... How long has it been this stagnant form? What what changes do you remember that were massive or, you know, people throwing a curveball that just got dodged and people, like, you know, sat them down and said, go away? What are the, like, milestone chapter changes that you can remember for better or worse? When I was at Capitol Records... Yeah, out. we had a pop and urban department. Okay, and it was doing so poorly that we gutted it. 
it was gone, man. Wow. Okay. Everyone, which I think looking back was pretty funny. Gutted the motherfucker. Yeah. I think it's pretty funny. Yeah, mate. It's crazy because now that would be the most booming department, surely. Have you noticed people be very short-sighted, though, in the past? Like you say, everything's popular for so long. Everything's got a sell-by date. Does that short-sighted vision, does it stay with people? And is it a common theme? Yes. Yes, of course. Because that's their business. You know, the short side is what's happening yesterday. You know, what's happening today. I mean, that's that's the music business. FOMO, baby, FOMO. Yeah, man. It's um. So how how would a band, you know, because obviously it's better to have ten thousand fans worldwide who will stick around forever rather than a hundred thousand temporarily who will drop off like flies. What do you think it takes to become that and achieve that level of fan loyalty? One fan at a time. Really slow burner. One fan at a time. Hard work. Yeah. Nothing good ever is is nothing good ever takes 10 seconds it just it needs one fan at a time one fan at a time yeah man yeah very interesting is that who are you working with at the minute what projects have you got lined up for the next coming months and that leads into the summer um i i usually try to keep my name off of things that i'm releasing and i'll tell you why why? Because That's so interesting and and unusual. Why? Come on. I'll tell you why. Go on. Because I don't want people to listen to the music and think, oh, it's manipulated by this this guy, Lauren, this, okay. this sort of guy. I want them to listen to just the music to be interested in it. So I don't put my name on things that I'm that I'm putting out. I don't. Because I because People listen to it in my world. People will listen to it and judge me, not the music. Yeah. Is that something you did then as a listener? Like you looked who produced it and who was involved. And of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have as well. Yeah. I'm a troll just like everybody else, man. Yeah, and is, is that something why did you why did you choose to avoid that? What when did you start to think this and was this all have you ever done it or when did you start to do it? I started doing it when I learned that people were judging it by me. I, I saw people, oh, that's a band that Lauren's developing or Lauren produced. Yeah. It, it sounds like Jimmy World or some shit, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Some people must get labeled and tagged like, oh, he worked with them, so it's going to sound like, you know, this Jimmy World record or the Plain White Tees, you know, have, have that vibe to well, it. You can't do something for so long and not have people have some sort of opinion of you, whether it be positive or negative or just what it is. Yeah. So I want my bands to have that, that, that um, dogma, you know, mm. not interesting. Do you feel like you've almost become like a ghost assistant then in a way? Is that, is, that what, is that how you kind of want to see it? Honestly, dude, it's just part of the process. I don't think of it. I don't think of it either, Ghost. I just think of it as like, this is what we have to do, in my opinion, in order to, to find fans and find super fans and find success. That's not, I, don't even, I don't even think of it. I just try to stay away from any kind of uh, bias. Yeah. Because it happens. Yeah, I'm sure it does, man, all the time. Lastly, I do want to talk to you about how it was working with Jimmy World on the Bleed America record. Uh, I'm a huge fan of that band and their early work, so I would really like to take the time to talk to you about that. Seeing Jim, seeing Jim Atkins in the studio singing 
and performing is like nothing I've ever seen. It is the most breathtaking thing. I always love seeing him perform because every single time he puts it on the line, I still have memories. Like I, I'm there right now. I'm there at, at, at the, at the board watching him sing. Nothing like it. Nothing like, for me, nothing like it. Complete and utter conviction. A is, is he, performer. Is he somebody that set the bar in your life when you look at newer bands? And do, do you, is that, is that a moment you try and replicate? I want my bands to be better than themselves. So there is no real bar, you know, in terms of any, I just want my bands to be better than what they, they think they can be. Thank you very much, man. You talk about me talking to people every day, and I really do. That was, uh, that was one of my best chats I've ever done, man. That was very influential, and I fully enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I enjoyed it myself. Thanks, dude. We'll talk soon. All the best, and look after yourself. Take care. Have a nice day. You too.